This week's Sonic Talk, Ugly Sins. We take a look at a few contenders and realise it's all in the eye of the beholder. Who's got the biggest rig? And we get nostalgic with BBC's Micro Live from 85. Plus a few Christmas ideas coming up on Sonic Talk. This week's Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha. Check out the Pocket Track W24 and C24 micro recorders at a Yamaha store near you. And by Mac Pro Video. Download the latest training videos with a 20% saving by visiting sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk number 246. Uh, we're live uh, and direct. Uh, broadcasting sonicstate.com forward slash live 4pm on a Wednesday uh, if you want to join us in the chat room there's a massive amount of people in there so there's a nice nice bunch of people you can uh, keep your eye on what's going on uh, in the chat room and participate and all of those good things so I want to come back here I'm also we got a great with well how can I put this but uh We've, we've got a new Skype participant. Those of you who might be uh, aware of Mr. Dave Robinson from ProSign News Europe, who I'll put his uh, lower third up there, we can now talk to him in person. So, if Dave, you'd like to say a word or two. Um, you have to speak. Uh, and yes. then you're hello. There he is. There he is. And he's holding up his uh, mighty tome for the camera to see. How are you, Dave Robinson? Um, I, I, I like to say we had to we had to arrange for your company to be bought by another another company just to get your foot to uh, arrive on Skype. So I'm glad we managed That's to orchestrate we've been, that. We've been bought by Yamaha. <laughs> Excellent. They're buying, uh, no, or is that Avid? They're buying everything else anyway. Oh, I thought that was Gibson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's another story. But uh, anyway, Dave, Dave Robinson, editor, prosignnewseurope.com. Uh, in his new office building, you've got the conference room to yourself. Are you overlooking the Thames still, or are you uh, somewhere else in the world? We're in Islington, actually. Ah. So we just ran the corner from uh, Alchemia, the uh, big pro audio training school, and over the road is Angel Studios, ah. uh, where they've been recording all the X Factor tracks. Uh, every every Tuesday. If you want to stop X Factor, you have to get to Angel Studios about ten o'clock on a Tuesday mi- morning and and um, pick it the studio or arrange a power cut, something like that. Uh, yeah, so well, that's uh, but, a top tip, yeah. Dave. Thank you very much for that. That's actually extremely useful information and one I may well actually act upon, or maybe we could. I, we probably shouldn't say too much more because if anything actually does well, happen, we'll get the blame. Exactly. Then. It'll be round, it'll be like that, that guy on Twitter feed on the Twitter feed, wasn't it? Who was who was inciting riots and uh, he ended up uh, being thrown into jail. So yeah. I don't really mean go and, and uh, pick, pick it, it pick it, pick it's okay. Picketing's not bad. Oh yeah, I yeah, I think mean it. Come on, oh, mean, look, I'm scared of gas. Just hush your mouth. <laughs> That's not a yeah. good idea yeah. to say that kind of thing. <laughs> On live broadcasts. Anyway, uh, well, I may as well say hello to Gaz Williams there, um, because you are indeed there in full effect. How are you doing, Gaz Williams? Gaz Williams is there on uh, songsurgeon.co.uk, Bristol-based producer uh, from Wales, songwriter, player, and um, now a niche broadcaster in terms of uh, the iPad show. (laughs) Also co-host. Yes, that's going really well. Yes. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Mm. Um, can I just put a very small request out? Uh, if any of the listeners want to get involved in a certain project uh, that um, someone's asked me about making a MIDI Cora, so that's like the African harp, um, then get in touch with me, uh, gazgoldstar at me.com or through my website. Uh, it would be really handy. Basically, it's for a very, very special client and they want a MIDI Cora. So they're kind of, they're partway into the project and they're kind of hitting a few hurdles. So if anyone's interested in that, then get in touch with me. That'd be really, really handy. Thank okay. you very much. Gotcha. Well, thank you very much. Uh, uh, that sounds, how many strings has a Cora got? 21. 21. So hmm. it's, it's quite a challenge, so like a 21, Yeah, they've they've made the pickup. So they've got like a 21, uh, they've got like a, they've got like a special pickup that they've made for it. So, uh, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure what state it's at, really. So, okay, uh, well, but I think, so... it, yeah. Okay. But uh, I can I can sort of put people in touch if anyone's interested in that. Thank you. Right then. Well, thank you very much, Gaz, uh, and uh, welcome once again to the show. And uh, now uh, let's say who should we go to next? It's, it depends who talks first. I suppose we could say to hello to Rich Hilton. There, are you well? Woof. 
I'm doing very well, thank you. Good, glad to see you, you Rich. Rich Hilton, of course, uh, producer, engineer, player, plays with Sheik, man's the controls at Nile Rogers' uh, private studio. You busy? Yeah, busy. Though I've just had a nice holiday up in Vermont. Uh, I returned to busy. Ah, well, that sounds like good for a holiday. Was that Thanksgiving? No, it was a week later. It was just until Monday, actually. It was... uh, few days away with the wife. It was great. Oh, lovely. Well, I'm glad, glad to hear you managed to get away for a while. That sounds lovely. Anyway, um, yeah. and also, we've still got more to go through, so we'll say hello to Mark Tinley, uh, likebeing.com. Mark, they're sporting a new hat. I've not seen that hat before. How are you, Mark? This is the, uh, this is the, the Steiner School hat from when my children used to go to the Steiner School and uh, the errant Bengal cat who went missing for several days last week weed on this hat and I've got to like stretch it back in now you see I see uh, that's quite a lot of information <laughs> so Mark Tinley like being um, with without clipping now it's been declipped <laughs> sounds like some kind of procedure doesn't it that's not very pleasant anyway um, I think we have now everybody uh, with us uh, PJ can't be with us this week I think he's busy again but uh, nice to see you and uh, th- let's go on to our first topic and I've got a great screenshot for you here you ready bang there it is and this one is the <laughs> ugly synths um this was a post for waveform this is entirely um the based on um the, the chap who runs it his own assumptions it's not a kind of uh, anything scientific and there's quite a lot of uh, of surprise candidates in there i must say i i think that um I, th- I think my, I don't know, that I'm not sure I would go for the Wasp, but uh, there's certainly yeah. other ones that I would. That, the electron Mono Machine, yeah, that's quite ugly. It looks like a piece of office furniture. Uh, very good synth, though. I'm not quite sure what that is. Uh, Electrocomp. I think the most Sonic ugly, six. the most ugly is, uh, well, I can't remember which one the most ugly is. I have to roll it. But I just thought it was a kind of fun topic, because I, I, pot- hey. there's the Oscar. That was a, that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. Um, but it is a bit of a mess, I mean, in terms of layout, um, I suppose, uh, just because it's so encrusted no. with knobs. I don't know. I'm, I'm, no! <laughs> Rich, I'm guessing that, that, doesn't, that you don't concur with that particular selection. I don't concur with almost any of these. <laughs> Quite, I'm serious. I read down this list and I was like, don't you guys get the charm of these things? Like the Gleeman was made as a, not a one-off expensive if you really must have a clear one. And it weighed a ton, if I remember correctly, because it was made of plexiglass. And right. the Sonic 6... Predates pretty much almost everything they ever did, and it was the early developing stages of what are you going to, how do you make it portable? Because I don't know if you remember, the original Cynthia AKS had an ad that touted its portability. You fold it up, it's a suitcase. And this thing has the same sort of close, you know, open and play, close and play kind of deal to it. And they were trying out ideas, but it's so early in the, no, it's not horrible. So early (laughs) in the development of the thing. In the in the way that you know an old car isn't horrible to me that that thing is kind of gorgeous. Now, first man, I have absolutely you ever no a Vauxhall uh, Chevette. <laughs> I'm sorry. Have you ever driven a Vauxhall Chevette? There are yes, I know. No, what I, have, I never have. No, I never have. No. I've got one for you here though. What about this one? That's pretty ugly. That just looks like a piece of scientific test equipment to me. Oh, what am I looking at? Hold this is on, the Voyetra. That, uh, oh, Voyetra. I didn't think it wasn't. It was a cool concept. That looks like a Betamax. That looks like a Betamax. You didn't have eight-voice rack-mount synthesizers in that day. I don't think there was a one that preceded it. Dave, it doesn't can stop you it. help me out with that? It doesn't stop it being ugly. No, you're right. That was the not... first eight-voice synthesizer in three rack spaces or four rack spaces or whatever it was. It didn't exist before then. No, it's that's groundbreaking. True. I agree. I agree. It's groundbreaking. Yeah. I, this doesn't is... sound like much. <laughs> this is. Uh, we're not talking about what, how, how significant they were. They were talking about how badly designed they are Ugly. in terms of ergonomics and uh, and color scheme. Surely. Yeah. I All re- right. My my nomination is the Andromeda. Okay, that's it's one in of the there worst somewhere. looking pieces of uh, keyboard I've ever seen in that's my in entire life. It's almost oh, no. impossible for me to operate. No, no I love the, but I love the way it sounds. Mark, I told you this the first time I laid eyes on it. I can't believe what this thing looks like. There it is. You, you may recall I said this like immediately uh, upon seeing the thing for the first time. Yeah, okay. So I, there, I, there's my nomination. The Andromeda, that I gets you. I can't even look at it. <laughs> look, I'll the make it easy for you. I'm just going to get rid of it for you. Dave Spears, I'm guessing you must. Uh, uh, is, it, is it possible for you to dislike a synth? In terms of looks, I'm oh, talking, just just looks. Hold on, you keep moving around. Where are you? I'm trying to catch you now. I don't know. There you are. Right. Uh, 
None of those synths were ugly. None. Especially the Oscar. If anyone... I'm, I'm about to take out a fatwa on the person who says <laughs> that the Oscar's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> um, ugly synths. A lot of 80s synths were ugly. I thought the Jet Super JX, all that 80s kind of futuristic nonsense, Alpha Junos, all strap-on keyboards look ugly to me. But this really this sparked off a um, big discussion here. In fact, the most hideously ugly looking synth is the, in our opinion, is the X50 Korg Camouflage Edition. Oh, no, I But we also remember. think that consistently the worst looking synths or keyboards per se were Emu. We think the E2, the E3, Emacs, that Proteus keyboard synth, if anyone remembers that. Ah, there we go. That'll be the phone then. Pretty ugly. Yeah, I had one of those. Ugly, ugly, ugly. So, yeah, but nothing in that list. The Gleeman's a thing of beauty until it's got dust on it and then it looks a bit kind of skanky. Uh, the Oscar word, can't really say anything about that negative. Um, yeah. <laughs> Did I Sonic miss anything? <laughs> Um, well, I, I don't know the one. Uh, now I, I don't know. Has anybody else got any um, any candidates? Um, Gaz, have you? Uh, is there a synth that you find abhorrent to look at? The Fismo. Oh yeah, oh, that yeah, was that was uh, that got a really bad press. Was it not a good synthesizer <laughs> though? I'd never actually got to play with one. I've I've played never played one. I wasn't impressed. No, not impressed. Not impressed at all, no. I'm, I sort of couldn't get it to do anything interesting, really. And, that, and it came out after the VFX range, which was all sample-based and very interesting, so I was sort of disappointed with it. It's probably going to be one of those synthesizers going to become a classic because you can't get that, whatever that sound was, anywhere else. I've never seen one. Um, Dave Robinson, you did a bit on the, um, on the D50 for us, didn't you, for... Uh, um for our top 20 greatest synths. That was a very amusing piece where you were trying to find the parameters that, that was used in the, yes. edited very efficiently. <laughs> Did you? Yes, I've seen the outtakes. Is that beautiful? Um, well, it was of its time, wasn't it? It was very, the smooth services, the clean services and the, and the minimal, um, uh, the minimal, buttons and the sort of uh you know the, the flattened buttons mm. uh i mean it depends whether you define ugly meaning um bad color scheme and sort of uh, um badly badly positioned knobs and sort of because i'd say something like the dope for the dope for stuff um <gasps> is pretty i mean the rack mount utilitarian is pretty cruddy yeah utilitarian yes very um pretty um berlin wall um but uh, things like I don't know some of the sort of the, I mentioned the Korg Poly 800 that wasn't that with that sort of yeah, lurid blue was, color and the ugly, and actually. the sort of digital um, digital lettering and digital numbering. But it was all of the kind of raid in the 80s, wasn't it? Well, the, so, the, the D50 um, looks a bit like a hi-fi separate, doesn't it? Uh, with a keyboard attached to it. <laughs> but B and O, that's well, the D50 sort of black had that and yellow cool. chic that, that the Wasp could never achieve. <laughs> <laughs> I would say. Are you saying the D50? Because the um, D50 like programmer, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah did it have its own program? I never saw that actually. No, that's yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah really cool. were... I think I think the Yamaha really lost it when they did the AN1X. And sorry, Yamaha, I know that you sponsor this podcast, but you don't sell this unit anymore. So the AN1X and the CS1X, which had those weird kind of wedge-shaped sides and really horrible coloured knobs and really horrible coloured oh, plastic. Yeah. I would nominate those, I think. Um, let me see the Fusion's data entry wheel, according to uh, Gaz in the chat room. It was based on a American 50s hubcap, and you control the matrix based on a dashboard. Hmm. Interesting. I've not, I, I've not come across that. I, I, I've, got a, I've got one, and this is ugly, but it's a great synthesizer. So if I could just play you a little bit of an example, this is another fantastic... Uh, piece of video from our friend in Poland. I'll just fast forward it a little bit and you can see what, what I what I think wins for ugliness. Ah yes. But not certainly not for sound. And that's the uh Syntasaur Polyvox. Oh, I tell you what, it sounds absolutely awesome though. Not really well demonstrated by the sort of those particular <laughs> clip, but it did sound. It sounds an amazing synthesizer. But yeah, 
can't play it, isn't it? Can I can I flip that um, can I flip that around? Yeah. And then ask. Um, I mean, well, I'd like to know what 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 Rich Hilton, seeing as he thinks everything's beautiful because of its position in history, <laughs> what. Uh, what oh. um, what what generally is his ugliest synth? But I'd also like to know what what people think is the is the best looking synth because um, I was uh, I've given this thought and and maybe a JX8P. It's toy like. Good. There you go. That's all I've got to say about that. Toy like. Yes. Yeah, so the the colours. So it's Rich, there's a challenge. What's, what what is your least favourite looking synthesizer? Gauntlet <laughs> thrown down. Wow. No, that, well, that was you did say I, the Andromeda. I think the Andromeda just did get get voted. Well, I there. just I found it very difficult to look at. It actually sounds wonderful. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Skype. <laughs> I don't. I um. I'm struggling, you know, some yeah, late, you can find some late be- period Borg Poly 61, maybe. I don't know. Um, oh, yeah, that was grim. I, I, I mean, as Dave says, a camouflage is, you know, something that's gaudy in its color, you know, by its very nature might might have bugged me. Um, well, the fusion again, was acid orange, wasn't it? Not the fusion, the, um, um, the, the, oh, gosh, what the, what was that What the, you mentioned earlier? The FISMO. <laughs> It was kind of acid orange. No, it was purpley. Was it purple? Oh, there we go. Well, I, that shows you how I what never even saw. That, what about that 303 rack thing that looked like it had, had paint thrown all over it? What was that called? An orbit or something, was it? An orbit? Yeah, yeah um, no, then they had planet fat after that. They had That's orbit. Planet, planet planet fat. Yeah. 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 Those were I, pretty I don't understand this picture of this RSF cobalt because I thought they were brown. So when I'm looking at that and it's black, that kind of confuses me because I or did RS or did I was the Cobol expander. I'm not sure, black. but the the Conbrio that's quite that that's brown. I'd say that's fairly brown. That is that looks like the uh, <laughs> dashboard from a Doctor Who movie or from something from Star Trek. I, I like that. Yeah, it's like Bournemouth. That computer from um, <laughs> uh, Look Around You. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about. I, I'm not sure no, I do. No, I'm glad to say I don't. Right. That, that's a reference that's that's passed me by. But anyway, I just thought it was a bit of fun. And uh, that was, um, uh, again, thanks to Waveformless Blogspot and uh, thanks to WC Olo Garb, who uh, did... Uh, I'll just show you his collection of synthesizers, actually. It's pretty impressive. Let me see if I can... He's got an enormous collection right there and uh, has videoed pretty much all of them. Uh, in demos over the years. And I think he was one of the first guys to actually do it. And uh, so good shout to him. He's a top chap. Right. Um, now, what's next? Ah, this one. Who's got the biggest? Now, how could we? This is, I don't I know. It must be because we're getting towards the end of the year. It sort of feels like we have to do roundups and lists and what have you. Or maybe I'm just sort of haven't been concentrating this week. But uh, this picture from, um, I think it was taken in 90, it looks like about the Yes Tour, and it looks like maybe 1985, 1986. This is Jeff Downs, who purportedly has the world record, or held the world record for the most number of keyboards on stage, on tour. And um, apparently, according to the Moog PR, and there's a Flickr photo, uh, Jeff holds the record for the most number of keyboards, 28 on stage at any mm-hmm. one time. And uh, I suspect that there may be some challenges amongst the panel. Because I'm pretty sure that's got to be beaten, has it not, Dave Robinson? Well, I, you, yeah. I saw Rick Wakeman in uh, I saw Rick Wakeman in Birmingham in about 1985. The um, what was the tour? Uh, Silent Nights tour, and he had two rigs. He had two separate rigs in sort of two horseshoes, and he had you know a vocoder on each, and he had several mini moogs. I can't tell you exactly how many keyboards. We probably counted counted them at the time because we were absolutely in awe of Mr. Wakeman, but. That from what I recall, I mean, this is only what I recall, uh, what I've just seen of that Jeff Downs photo, um, he had more... That's not supposed to be his toy That's not his toy rig, no, it's not. It's just a picture yeah, of Jeff Downs okay. <laughs> in a nice <Yesterday>. jumper. <laughs> yeah. But so about the same time, certainly Wake, Wakeman was going out with, uh, with a lot of keyboards. Whether he had 28, I don't know, but he was getting on for that, I'd have thought. Yeah. I can tell you. Oh, okay, Dave. to Chris. According to Chris, well, he said he reckons Wakeman was very, very close. And don't forget, I mean, Chris was on tours of his during that period. Uh, two full racks, about eight keyboards on stage, at least a couple of mini Moogs, two psychologics to control patch changes. I think there were 24 devices each, I think. 
No, he, we talked about this earlier, but then the best bit is he said, and all into two channels on the front of house. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. You can't, but it's interesting, isn't it? That multi-timbrality kind of changed all that a little bit. You just need lots of keyboards and like one module or one computer or something. And then you're kind of done really. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Rich, have you ever, do you think, have you seen a rig to, uh, to, to, um, to beat the 28 on stage? No, but I did see Downs play the early Asia tours, I'm embarrassed to tell you. Uh, somebody gave me a ticket, however. <laughs> I was on the guest and, list. <laughs> uh, he, it was, and I was watching videos of it this morning because I wanted to make sure that my memory of it wasn't exaggerated. And no, it wasn't. Um, there was a platform behind the band on which his entire rig resided. So not only did he have five huge full racks of gear, including heavy stuff, Hammonds, Rhodes, everything. I mean, it's all heavy. But it's way up in the air, too. And wow, he's suspended. up in the air, and he's running back and forth, running back and forth between him. And it was, it's, it's, it's a health and safety <laughs> nightmare. Was... You'd never get away with that these days, would you? <laughs> yeah, I wonder. No railing and all. It was, it was, because he's up there, you know, 10 feet above the drummer's head, it looks like. Wow, and or maybe eight, but but he dropped. He could drop a mood liberation on him, distances. or even if even if he just dropped one of those five inch, <laughs> one of those five inch kind of early um, early Fairlight discs on him, that would have hurt, wouldn't it? <laughs> could slice his yeah, fingers off. Drop a mood liberation on him. <laughs> have to be able to pick it up in the first place, though. Obviously, yeah, that would be kind of uh, it's um, so eighties, uh, though, isn't it? Big hair, big rigs, big egos. Yeah, it's good stuff, yep. though. I, but I do have something that can beat all of that, I think, because uh, I was looking, uh, oh. and I think that beats it. That's uh, Jean-Michel Jarre. I don't think that's a picture of his live oh. rig, but I was I, I, I was looking on elsewhere on a site, and uh, they were talking about the production of it, and that's, it basically said oxygen. he had 35 keyboards on stage. That's the, that's the Oxygen Tour from four or five years ago, isn't it? I bow to your greater knowledge, Dave. To be perfectly honest, yeah, I, was, I, was, I hadn't I, got that far. I, I was there. He's got the at the front. He's got the um, uh, SCI. He's got the profit right at the front. Brown, brown center at the front. This is, this is uh, a with all the with all the sounds. That's a memory. I, didn't I, send you, I think I sent you some pictures. Didn't that's I? a memory did move at the front. Of, uh, that's a memory move. Is it? Yeah. Oh. Well, I sent you some some pictures of the close ups. That's right. The, that's uh, what I was looking kit. for because I knew I'd seen. A really yeah. big sort of picture of the whole rig, and thought that I bet that's more because yeah. he's taken the whole lot with him. So I reckon he's probably got the world record. Although, could you really call the EMSs because there were four of them keyboards? Do you see what I mean? It's about semantics at this stage. I mean, this is how records are <laughs> are won and lost. You know, quite a lot of those keyboards don't have keyboards. There's an AKS. You just need to add it up in value. But, ah, well, that that would be a winning. That would certainly be a winner. Yeah, it's about 60 grand's worth of EMS there. Jesus, at least. There's, a, there's another one. I don't know what that is. I know that's a theremin over there. Oh, you can't see where I'm pointing because obviously um, it's just a picture. <laughs> but you get my drift. They had a theremin back behind Jean on the left. was where he had his theremin, I think. Yeah, I can see that there. Or on the, on the right. <laughs> Mark Tinley. <laughs> You've done uh, you that. Um, what sort of number of kits? I mean, because Nick Rhodes must have taken quite a lot of stuff on the road, right? Well, yeah, no, but I think I'm too young for all of this because I'm a MIDI expert and I just used to, we took four keyboards and then he used to say to me, I want to be able to play that one on there. And I had like a, a MIDI patch bay and I just used to, I used them all in master keyboard mode or omni off or whatever you call it, you know, so that they're all master keyboards so that any keyboard could play any other uh, of the other keyboards internal sound generators and we kind of did it like that and then we had uh, a rack with some bits and pieces in it and then of course the live the sequencing rig was like a whole load of synths as well but you, i don't know if you can count those because he wasn't playing them it was all being played off a no, computer. that's so. a good point um i'm not sure if you can so really, so really no more than four although they were all multi-timbral and doing all rubbish that's a lightweight He's, he's hardly, he could hardly even be allowed to wear a cape. 
Even a, you know, even even a jumper thrown over his shoulders would have been too much with only four keyboards. Or an eyeliner. <laughs> yeah. We used to joke around with plastic knives at one point. I remember that, jamming plastic knives in all the keyboards. But... <laughs> like Emerson. Excellent. Yeah. Right, this is this is a switching nightmare, I tell you. Plastic knives, very, very... Right, um, I think at this point I'm going to ta- take a, a break to, t- to say thank you for our sponsors. So uh, take a breather, everybody, and I'll be back in about 30 seconds. So I want to say thank you very much to Yamaha for their continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, in fact, they are wanting to show you, as you can see with the VT, if you're watching this on YouTube or live, uh, if you're just listening to the podcast, this will mean nothing. But these are the Pocket Track C24 and W24, uh, 24-bit 96K recorders these are tiny you're looking at the w24 which has wireless remote control which is really handy you can imagine uh, using it at a gig you could actually re- operate from stage without having to climb on a chair and look at the screen and all those sort of things very very handy uh, superior battery life extended recording up to 38 hours uh, two gig built in memory and uh, micro sd cards to give you up to 38 hours of pcm recording xy configured stereo microphone for superior music recording peak limiter quick start ready in only four and a half seconds that's actually quite a big deal because often with these things they take a while to boot up and then you've missed the moment but this is a, a great onboard speaker for uh confidence monitoring all of that kind of stuff and then there's also the c24 which is a similar format it's even smaller weighs a mere 57 grams or two ounces uh, still got the same kind of stuff xy direct usb connection to the computer quick start up again for four and a half seconds so please do check them out if you want to go to YamahaSynth.com, check out the Pulse stores in the UK. These are sort of stores within stores where you can uh, try out uh, a lot of the kit. Go down with some memory, record some stuff, take it home, check out and see what it listens what it listens like on your system, what it listens like, what it sounds like on your system. And oh, if you're in the US, do the same thing. Head down with a USB stick and uh, see if you can get someone to record some stuff for you and you can take it home and have a good listen. So once again, we thank Yamaha for the continued sponsorship of the show. Right, back to me. Um, so, what's next on our list of delights? Um, well, there was some nostalgia stuff. I've got two nostalgia ones. I'm, su- I'm suggesting that perhaps we go for the second one because the Moog thing, though, while interesting, is not as interesting as uh, the Micro Live. This is, a, this is via, via Tony, the Mac Doctor is in our chat room, uh, helps out a lot with, uh, with topics, and uh, was in switching a couple of weeks ago. So, I'm going to play this video now, which I think is this one. Classic YouTube BBC nostalgia. What is it about technology and owls in those days? Right, I, I, enough of the title sequence. Anyway, this is uh, Fred Harris. If your micro has joined the skateboard and hula hoop up in the attic, now's the time to get it down, dust it off, and do something creative with it, like making music. Even the Spectrum, with its uh, limited sound facilities, can make a good noise, provided you've got the right add-on. This here is the Spec Drum, which comes from Cheetah. It costs £29.95, and at the moment it's only available from Boots. I'm going to move on because there's also this <laughs> yes, piece of this fabulous piece of uh, technology, which is the uh, what's this one or called? It's called the Advanced the Music System, shown by this icon here, running on a C64. So I can just finish off this melody to finish off the piece that I've been programming. And then we get on to the nice link into MIDI, which is explained by Alan Townsend, Roman UK product specialist. That would allow anybody's electronic musical instrument. And I know this is all complete nostalgic nonsense, uh, really. But great fun, I thought. And um, and we got so many things in there. We got the ZX Spectrum and... I mean, this is we're talking... This was on mainstream television, British television. I can't believe it actually got aired and made. I don't know how many of these things they made. But uh, what I thought was quite funny was the fact that they were talking about the ZX Spectrum like it was worthless and, you know, you probably would have thrown yours away and now they're kind of collectible. It's just hilarious. Absolutely. My uh, first sampler was a ZX Spectrum. I, I remember. What did you? What was it? A green gauge or green gate? Or what was it that you? No, I built something. I had an electronics and music maker magazine, and it had the AI artificial intelligence sampler in it, and it had a cassette on the front cover of the magazine, and you could like basically uh, go to the. I went to Maplin and I bought all the different bits and pieces that I needed, and I cut out the breadboard and soldered it all on. Plugged this thing in the back of the Spectrum, and then loaded the software in off the cassette, 
and it played off a CV gate sequencer and it had two different programs one which would let you play four different samples uh, across the whole keyboard or one that would actually let you put different samples in different key ranges so I could actually use it as a drum machine so but as long as I didn't play more than one sound at once <laughs> I had to get creative with having things like the kick drum and then I had another sample which was the kick and the hat yeah and another sample which was the snare and another one which was a snare and a hat and then various different combinations of things so if I wanted to program like a kick uh hat and snare all at the same time i had to have a specific sample for that so i'd have oh, uh, and man. it had those were the days when we had the time eh? <laughs> 32k of memories beautiful stuff <laughs> i don't know do, does anyone actually re- just put, put, put money minor on instead and play that does anyone actually remember seeing this program dave you, i i it didn't kind of uh it didn't strike any memories with me but I, i'm sure i would have wanted to watch it if i'd known it was on but it was very much about the, the BBC Micro. So if you didn't have a BBC Micro, yeah, I mean, I had Spectrum, so I didn't tend to watch this. I just got, you know, it was very much focused on the BBC Micro B and those sort of computers from what I remember. Mm. Good to see Fred Harris, though. Yeah, excellent. Oh, and Le- Leslie Judd, too. Leslie <laughs> Judd was uh, if- from... Was it player? player? Sorry, Rich. This is incredibly. T- this is incredibly UK centric. <laughs> You're sitting there incre- very patiently. Um, was there anything equivalent in the US? Did you have anything of a similar nature that would fo- that focused on this kind of technology? Because it's it strikes me as being a very BBC kind of thing. Would it be on PBS or anything like that? Pro- I mean, probably, but not that I recall. And I, and I sought it out in other areas, not from TV specialists. So I don't remember. <laughs> There being anything well, I, I mean, for example, I met the, one of the developers of the newing of the Synclavier, one of the founders of New England Digital, in a hi-fi store I was working in in like 1980. Right. So I just ran across the guy and heard about the thing, and then I started researching into it, and um, I just I was always in synths and stuff, and I was deal, you know, the onset of workstations and synthesizers with sequencers was big for me, and. Uh, so I made myself aware of these things, but to answer your question, no, I don't recall TV being a, a source for me at that point. It's interesting that the, I mean, that's the, I guess that's one of the things about the BBC is that they must have had a great time pr- pitching these programs. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, now we have to. It's, it's down to people like us and you know, very niche channels that kind of that that do this. And it, again, on tomorrow's oh. world, there was another clip there, and it just doesn't seem to be around anymore. I know. It's a shame, really, isn't it, Dave? Or Mark, whoever was talking. I just want to say one other thing, and that is that those programs are what got me into it in the first place. Because when I saw somebody demonstrating a Fairlight on Tomorrow's World, I was just like, I want one of those. I can really get creative with that and do some really interesting stuff with that. And I just wanted to get my hands on anything that I could sample things with and sort of do my own thing. Yeah. So... You know, my entry level with ZX Spectrum and building it. I'll tell you what, um, I did find a couple of resources uh, for, this this is called uh, viceteam.org. And what this is, it sounds much worse than it is because it looks a bit like, you know, Vice Squad. But it's actually, uh, you can download an emulator for this Commodore C64. And then I also found a place to download the, in fact, the advanced music system itself, which was originally uh, $39.95 on disc only, um, and you could download it and as a disk image and run the whole thing on your Mac or PC or Linux-based uh, box. It's a 133K download. There we go. And um, it's, uh, it's available there. So you can enjoy the limitations of the age if you so wish. Look, there we go. There's, here's all the modules. This module up here that's next to um, there, that module there. Oops, I'm in mirror image. Is, uh, is the MIDI module. Then the envelope module, and, and the, the chap goes in to uh, explain it. Uh, Tony Sellinger from, uh, they call it Firebird Software on the on the show, uh, goes in to explain how you would uh, use this this software to make... Uh, I used the SID chip, didn't it? The SID chip, which has actually become a bit of a classic. But there you go, if you want to... Oh, my God, I've just seen... There's Dave Spears holding up a rock school book. My God. Oh, I was just going to mention rock school. Oh, you beat how me weird to is it. that? <laughs> there we go. There he is. There's Rock School. Oh, rock wow. School. That was Look at Deirdre. She Deirdre. Fit even then. <laughs> and Henry. Not. 
Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I mean, this again. You know, this again was a, another school. another example of uh, this was like an eighties band just teaching music. On, I mean, it was kind of lame, but I mean, it was again, it was on mainstream TV every oh. week on prime time, wasn't it? it was, I loved it. I loved it. It really was uh, I, for me. Rock school. I mean, it was on. It was always on during the summer holidays and stuff, and you, you know, you could watch it all in there. But I mean, for me, that was the first glimpse I saw of so much music technology in it. Yeah. And uh, but it's funny how all of the different band members were kind of cliches of that particular role, weren't they? The keyboard was the sort of specky, sort of nerdy boffin bloke, and uh, <laughs> the bass player. Bass player was this really smiley guy with his slap bass up right up by his chin and stuff, and um, and the guitarist, <laughs> Do, uh, Deirdre, the guitarist, yeah. The, dr- yeah, the drummer sounded a little bit slow, and uh, and, okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he always was, talked yeah. a lot slower than everybody else, yeah. yeah. I don't remember oh, what his yes, name was. Anyway, this is again descending into UK-centric nostalgia. But uh, it was a, if you get a chance, um, do check out the clip. It's an interesting clip, just because it's it's just it, it really dates the technology. I mean, and, and to be fair, you know, the, MIDI have been out for three years already, and we're still bloody using it. You know, this is what's so bonkers about the whole thing. And you you look and see how old that is, and you think, wow. And we think that's that's it. Anyway, oh, what's this? This is uh, it's Dave holding up a. Uh, let me see. Is, is that a picture of you with one of the uh, one of the rock school people? You'll have to talk so you become enlarged. That, that is that's me, and <laughs> that's Dale. That's not Henry King Sam Thomas. That's Dale, and that's me in a book called Rock Talk, which was another eighties <laughs> piece of nonsense. Have you been raiding <laughs> the archives, then, Dave? I just looked up at my bookshelf and went, "Oh, I've got loads of these books here." <laughs> Well, in my defence, it's my old business partner used to write this tap. So there you go. And you've kept it for um, years. Well, yeah, but the best one is. So if we're on the subject of 80s nostalgia, right, there's a fantastic... There's Chris gets himself a whole chapter in this book because Chris is a roadie and he's working with Aztec Camera. And so that tied in with this blooming program because i was saying to chris well if this was like 87 or 88 he was on tour with aztec camera at that time using things like sequential 440s mc 500 mark ones so there you go 80s Oh, it's hell then it's hell even it's hell, now. yeah it's even worse now but if you do fancy the limitations head on over to uh to vice uh vice team.org and uh then over to gb64.com where you can download an image and run some of this stuff. And really, it'd be quite interesting maybe to have a go at downloading this stuff and seeing if it can produce anything meaningful in any sort of time that is, you know, relative to that. <laughs> I don't know whether it would be or not. What's Dave showing now? Hold on. Got to get that. Are that. Is that you drumming or is that Chris? That, that's Chris in the 80s with his sequential 440 and his Simmons kit. Uh, well, not his Simmons kit, but... The Simmons kit. The bloke out of us, the camera. There you go. Fantastic. Great stuff. Nostalgia Central. Frankie says, get a life. Yeah. Actually, funnily enough, I didn't get this up today, but somebody sent me a link this morning saying they were searching Amazon download for uh, 12-inch, just 12-inch, and they ranked by popularity, and Tom's Diner was number two. Again, I can't believe it. Number two wasn't number wasn't number one. At least it wasn't number two um, to to Ninja Mutant Turtles. Anyway, that was just uh, Ninja Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Turtles get real. Turtles get Spin real. That wheel. Yeah, all of that stuff. Right. Or um, a itsy bitsy teeny weeny yellow tur- polka dot bikini. Nick. Also, also uh, more successful than us. Um, right, Dave, you uh, you you found this, so I'm going to show you a picture of it, and then you can talk. Dave Robinson, that is. No, Dave. What am I talking about? Dave Ooh. Spears. No. Dave Spears um, sent this. Uh, it's the flash drive, the hyperdrive flash iDrive, which I can't believe that nobody's thought of before. This is, in fact, it's like it looks like basically it's a USB connector on one end and a uh, iPod or iOS dock on the other end, and it uh, it has. Uh, presumably some flash ram in it where you can so it's got a little app that comes with it. it means you can dump everything out of it onto the hyperdrive and then plug that into a computer of your choice and um and do stuff with it what attracted you what, what first attracted you to this dave i'm just out of interest uh no somebody put it up on a facebook post and i just looked at it and went 
that's just genius, isn't it? It's so simple and so just genius-like. We always wish that we had ideas like this. Stick a blooming thingy on one end and another port on the other end, and then you and can transfer stuff, Mind you, look at the price. stuff to your phone and vice versa. That's yeah, not cheap, is it? That is that, it's it, how much is that? That is basically uh, 149, 199 bucks for the 32 gig. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the uh, can't you buy like an iPod for about the same price? Or am I am I am I wrong? Yeah. There? Okay. I just thought it'd be I cheaper, know. I suppose. I, I suppose. Do you th- I, I think they're probably having to pay for the, uh, for the um, what are they having to pay for the uh, <laughs> the license for the IO dock? You know, the dock thing. Oh, hold yeah, on. yeah. And there's going to be a, it's going to be a premium, isn't there? Because it's Apple. Because it's sort of a yeah. It's a it's a gadget for the iPhone. It so is. you're going to you're going to be paying more than you would if you were a normal person. Well, that's entirely true. <laughs> yeah. I, I would. I, I was well, looking price, at something. The price Sorry. of Apple memory seems to be completely insane compared to anything else on the market. I mean, I could buy a 16 gigabyte chip off eBay for like a tenner, ten pounds. Yeah, but it's not the same. It's, it's different. It is different memory. It's very fast. The stuff that goes in Mac Pros is much faster than you just buy not standard SIM I was stuff. I'm talking about what goes in the iPhone, though. Why is it that if I have a, a 32 gig iPhone instead of a 16 gig iPhone, I pay like a hundred odd pounds more, more than a hundred pounds more? It's a different kind of memory. It's flash. Time. It's flash memory, and also it's an. You're, you're paying for the fact that it's Apple product, obviously. Because you worship yeah. Apple like <laughs> millions. All across the planet. Yeah. Well, some of us. When will they see? <laughs> some of us oh, don't. don't. Gas. Yes, can I you jump can. In? Um, I noticed something today actually. Uh, there's the. I think it's the Seagate GoFlex. Um, what's uh, the GoFlex satellite? Uh, just just as a as an alternate device for this. And the GoFlex satellite is a little rechargeable hard drive that broadcasts um, wirelessly. To your iOS device, and it's like 500 gig, and that's about 150 pounds. Oh, so, right. so it's like a, um, it, it's like a, uh, mm. what do they call them? I can't remember the dri- those drives that you plug into like a NAS drive. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Like, yeah, but it's kind of got like a, um, uh, you know, yeah. So it's got like a white, some sort of Wi-Fi. I think it creates its own network actually, and then you join its network with your phone, and then and you can access it and. Yeah, I'm not sure though that it is two-way traffic though. I think you can kind of stream stuff off there, so you could have your um, iTunes library on there or or whatever, and then you know you can stream it wireless. Can I think you use it as a time machine? Can you use it as a time machine backup? No, I don't think because I don't think the iOS things do time machine. Ah, uh, right, um, okay, yeah, yeah. But I, I, the, I, I thought it was quite interesting, just for people who were maybe interested in using things like iPhones or iPad as um, DJ devices, but are put off because of the lack of storage. So the idea there is you've got all your songs on this wireless device and then you could like use it because there's some really funky things, isn't there? Like the sort of like the DJ, um, uh, the, 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 the DJ dock thing that you can plonk your iPad into. Yeah. Yeah. And, Newmark, uh, Newmark, do, uh, Newmark do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. The Newmark one. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, just a, just an alternate thing I thought I'd mention. No, it, but actually, that does bring up another question. Oops, that was supposed to happen. It does bring up another interesting point because with it, we—it's uh, not in the show notes. But um, hard drives. Have you actually bought a hard drive in the last few months? Have you realised? Have you seen how much money yep. they cost now? They're like. They've gone up by more than double because I've filled uh, my. Well, I usually I work in pairs, right? And I've got a pair in my Mac, which uh, is what uh, my video working drive. Then I have another one on the outside, which gets synced whenever I choose to. And I filled up, so now I need a new pair. New pair. Uh, previously, it cost like about thirty, forty quid for a terabyte bare drive. They're now one hundred and twenty. Yeah. Because uh, I, I think. Um, no, they've gone up. I mean, it's a massive, massive price hike. Uh, I think it's down to the, um, or they say it's down to the fact that there, uh, there were some floods in Thailand. And so, uh, I mean, but th- this seems to happen yeah, regularly. Yeah. I don't know whether this... What do you mean? They say there were some floods. There was, no, no. There was but, massive flooding in Bangkok. It was yeah, no, no, but that's not what I mean. They say there was. It's due to the flooding. So, I mean, all of the factories are presumably there. I mean... So it's the, the commodity, the price, the commodity price of storage has gone through the roof, and that's quite that's going to have quite an interesting effect, knock-on okay. effect on stuff that's you know, currently being built. I presume. Um, yeah, I bought one relatively recently from Tesco. It's a two terabyte hard drive for like 
Sixty pounds. Yeah, but it probably wasn't seventy-two hundred RPM. Your your mic is cracking up again, Mark. I know. Is it? Is it, is it maybe it's just in the UK. Are you finding this rich because you must you must have to buy a bunch of uh, storage where you are. I mean, because you must get through it for the projects that you work on. Have you found? Have you noticed that, or does it make very little difference to your? <clears throat> no, I, I haven't shopped the drive in a while, so I'm. I hear what you're saying with acute interest because. I see myself making some computer changes in the near future, and I wondered if I would be buying any drives. So uh, I will take a look, and I'll get back to yeah, you. Yeah, watch out, because it really has gone yet. up. So if you find a deal, I don't know when ah. it's going to go down again. If you do find a deal, um, try and get one. Gaz? I, uh, I've, got, I've got a deal for anyone in the UK. I, um, there's a chain called Best Buy that was, uh, that's gone down the tubes now. I think it was like Carphone Warehouse had sort of launched this Best Buy thing. It's like a somewhere in between PC World and Curry's or something like that. Uh, they're going out of business. I was in there the other day. They've got like at least 30% off everything, and there was loads of hard drives there. And I was looking at them thinking, wow, they're the cheapest ones I've ever seen. So if you're after a hard drive, head down to your Best car. What about, I mean, if you went to PC World and you bought an external USB hard drive and just ripped it out of the casing, presumably you're talking about bare drives, aren't you? So you yeah. could just plunder from the inside of a USB device, couldn't you? Well, you could, but they're probably not going to be 7200 RPM. And that's what I mean. That's what I need. I mean, you might not need that for for, but certainly for video and the multi-track audio, you're going to need high higher speed. Usually, they might be 4200 or 5200. Uh, which is right. is quite slow, right. so they're not high performance drives. I'm seeing uh, I'm seeing drives for 130 bucks so for 7200 RPM, one terabyte. That's very interesting. So I wonder why we're getting penalised. on drives. I've got a request. About three months ago, I bought a Roland VP 9000, I think it is, sampler, and the maximum hard drive size it can use is two gigabytes. So I've been trying to buy a two gigabyte SCSI drive, a 50 ping drive. <laughs> <laughs> on eBay, they're like 150 quid. So, and nobody's got them. I guess they're just, you know, people aren't bothering to sell them. So people who are opportunists are sticking the prices around. So if anybody who's listening to this has a two gigabyte or anywhere between one or two gigabyte 50 ping, I think I'll tell you why I think that might be. It's because um, SCSI devices are now generally only found in uh, high-end server products and things that are like legacy, like really old, you know, Suns and uh, HP Reliance and all those kind of things. So you're probably finding that uh, that SCSI drives always are actually quite expensive now because they are they are kind of legacy. So there there aren't that many people manufacturing them, if at all. And the old stuff that still works. Could you not get a SCSI? Because in fact, I remember covering this a little while back. It was with the S900 or the S1, S5000 rather. You could get a uh, an adapter that would that would uh, you could take out the internal drive and put in. Uh, a serial ATA or SCSI adapter to a card reader and put a compact flash in instead. I tried that. I bought one off eBay. Oh, this chap was very nice and sent it to me and said, you can have it on approval. If it works for you, then buy it. And if it doesn't work, send it back. And I had to send it back because the Roland operating system just simply didn't recognize it and thought it was a CD rewriter for some reason. So ah, that's a shame. It didn't work. I'm gonna, I bought a jazz drive. I'll see how I get on with that. That's two gigabyte jazz, but I, I think I'd prefer to have like a fixed disc. Yeah. Um, We'll your bandwidth is terrible, Mark. I don't know whether or not uh, I can hardly, barely make you out. You sound like you're operating in kind of uh, 8-bit 11K sample rate or lower. Um, you plugged it to your Spectrum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Skype on a Spectrum just doesn't work. Um, right. Okay. Dave, uh, Dave Robinson, are you are, are you about to lose your uh, your conference room? Are there are there um, are there people who are knocking on the door like uh, irate executives waiting to get into the upper floors of your building that you're holding out, or are you still with us for a little while? Uh, no, okay. I can't think of anything funny to say, so no. All oh, right, <laughs> I set I don't know I I set you up and you let me down like that. How could you, Funky Bags? How about this? This is a Christmas gift idea. This is uh, from SyncBags.gl, which is actually a Greek company, believe it or not, which is not, you know, not something that you often see. These are these look really groovy, actually. You've got 909 rhythm bag, um, 808 boom bag, a cassette 
Uh, MPC looks like a little Fender amp. 303 bag. These are kind of cute, actually. I don't know where you can get them. That's where you can get them. I'm not sure what much there is to say about this. I think Dave Spears, you um, you sent me this and said um, you sent me something else, which I've forgotten. What, oh, you sent me that other link, and I said, "Oh, check this out." So, uh, is this something? Can you can you consider? But is this is this a gift for the, that synth somebody somebody synthy in your life? Sorry, I'm muted. Uh, should be back now. Um, yeah, no, I think it's a really cool idea. I like I love all this kind of nonsense. I want the 909 bag for a couple of mates, definitely. But they were selling them in Fonica Records, but they don't seem to have those in. They've got the amp stuff in. Yeah, the 909 is brilliant. Yeah, well, I looked. I looked at the uh, I looked at the links because the, the 808 and the 909 are new, and if from if you order them from uh, from Sync in Greece, they're 60 euros. But you look at Fonica or um, Vinyl uh, Vinyl Junkies, oh, 80 junkies, quid. Yeah. Wow, ooh, ooh, ooh. 80 quid. Yeah, it's a lot. That is a lot. Do, I mean, it's very nice. They do look cute. But, yeah. I mean, you get away with it. I mean, you wouldn't carry around it. What would you put when you're 303? I mean, you look like a bit of a, a girl without three. The, the, can you show the picture of the 303, Nick? It's a girl with, a, with sort of big hair with a 303. Look at me. But she looks like a bit of a tit. It's, uh, it would be, uh, what could you put in that? I'm thinking... Um, your keyboard tie. Your QY70, I think, would probably fit in there. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that was a bit of an unsuccessful topic. So um, what about Gibson, eh? <laughs> buying that, uh, buying Stanton. That's a bit of a shock, isn't Stanton. it? Yeah, but they've also, and I didn't realise this, that they've also, you, well, actually Dave Robinson, you were saying, that, that means they also get Sirwin Vega and who was the other company? Yeah, KRK. And KRK. Yeah, monitors. So Ooh, Gibson yeah. have uh, have just snaffled that, and they they released. I haven't actually prepared a story for this at all, but they've released the, uh, you know, the press release that was along the lines of, you know, in Gibson's ongoing move into the lifestyle market, whatever that is, um, they now have a pro audio division, and that they will uh, hopefully be merging their R and D. Uh, facilities and and gaining the best from both worlds but uh, as i think i was talking to dave robinson when we did a skype test call uh, yesterday didn't that oh, yeah. wasn't that something that was supposed to be happening with tc electronic and uh well yeah they, they tried to get together with tc electronic beginning of um, i think the announcement uh dave spears uh, in fact some of you guys won't remember it was sort of uh, nam nam 2008 was the announcement and then by april it was all off yeah so, uh, it was it was quite uh, glum when you spoke when you spoke to anybody at TC said so uh, what happened and they said oh, after four weeks it was like we couldn't work with them yeah I don't think they could they could work out a way of I mean TC they have their own uh, you know they 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 call you know they call killer products they call them Viking products at TC because they're going to go out and you know um, pillage other countries with their uh, various uh, reverbs or whatever <laughs> um, but I mean yes this is this is what I've heard <coughs> that was uh, I'm not sure if that's official but uh, the, uh, you've got to remember that Gibson Gibson got together with uh, well they swallowed up uh, Opco didn't they and uh, to to uh, for for some kind of technology which they were trying to develop. Your network's going, Something Dave. called Magic. Does anybody remember this? Capital M, small a, capital G, small i. Capital... Yeah, they had this, this networking technology called Magic, which was very short-lived, which didn't go anywhere. They swallowed up code, and uh, so Vision and Studio Vision didn't go any further. Um, so in terms yeah, of expanding the yeah, oh, I mean, but, but, yeah, I mean to be fair, this this, yeah. this is always the example that's cited with anything to do with Gibson, isn't it? I mean, I'm sure you know that's a long time ago, and that was one product. I mean, I don't know whether that's the case anywhere else. I mean, they 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 didn't get a great reputation there of sort of just buying up brands and swallowing them up. I mean, as the chat room has been saying, lifestyle choice is kind of uh, is is where they they're obviously looking at what Apple are doing and uh, want to. Uh, want to emulate that get uh, some get some yeah and why ever not i know rich uh, is this any kind of big news in uh, in the us i mean it, i i spotted it go past and it didn't really kind of seem it, i mean i know that uh, so the, so the trade magazines have run with it and i wonder if it actually means because stanton like they did some they did some really cool and we covered some of their really innovative uh, controller products right well it, first of all t- to answer your question um i wasn't aware of it until this conversation so whether that means it has been underreported or not, I've been sort of under a rock for a, most of a week. 
uh, being away on vacation and not really paying attention to anything. So I didn't see that. I think it's a really smart thing for them to do. And Stanton, yes, is a long standing company with a huge history, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and if it comes with Sherwin Vega and a bunch more DJ stuff, then I think that they're kind of properly doing some smart business work, especially in light of the troubles they're having importing wood these days. In the United Not a States. lot of wood in, uh, in, in the DJ market. That sounds like a terrible innuendo, doesn't it, actually? Sorry, there probably is actually a hell of a lot of wood in the DJ market, but not... Um no, I'll stop. I'll, I'll stop that. I'll stop that now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I, I think I know what that joke was supposed to mean. I just work very badly. I can't, for sit, me. Uh, I can't sit comfortably at the moment. No, no. Oh, hey! First time on Skype, and I get a knob gagging. Uh, that was the CEO knocking out the door. By the way, <laughs> I say, then. can you get out of my office? <laughs> Dave Robinson from uh, prosoundnewseurope.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Does that mean you've got to go, or are you, uh, did I t- take that yeah, too that bad? Was, that, was, that, was literally, that was literally the CEO going, oh, right, uh, so I think i better clear out. Did you just but tell thank him? Thank you that- very much. It's been, uh, no, I just, I said, oh, and he said, oh, okay, but they've, they've done, yeah, I think no one's coming in and do something, so. Um, so we're, we're only down to, can I just explain why being away, chaps, is because we only have, uh, up until recently, in this new office in, in Islington, we only had one boardroom and it was being booked all the time. So every Wednesday, the only space, the only, but we had a design studio and they've just all uh, left last uh, couple of weeks ago. So now we have two, we have two private rooms. So Yay. the chances of me getting on are, uh, yeah, two, double. Where was before? There were 15. <laughs> so anyway, so thank you very much. And uh, I'll uh, speak to you hopefully again before Christmas. Yep. Check out prosignewseurope.com for the digital online edition of the, uh, the magazine. There go that is the paper one and the prosignuseurope.com for the digit one thank you very much mr robinson appreciate it right. can i hang up on you or do you have to do it for me oh you've done it right okay um and, and so here we are again um uh, i've forgotten where i was now dave do you think this is going to make any difference because i'd like to think that actually it might mean that some of this controller stuff gets a bit more uh, in the mainstream, because it didn't ever really quite take off for some reason. I don't know why it was, because it wasn't expensively priced and it seemed to work okay. It just didn't seem to stick for some reason. Me? Yeah, I don't know. That's just because you happen to be on the screen with me. Oh, <laughs> <I'm> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, no. Um, no, I'll, I'll take the Fifth Amendment, I think, on anything to do with Gibson, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, I, on second thoughts, that's probably something I should have done and I shouldn't have even brought it up, because of that. There might be a there might be a cease and desist winging its way to me now, or maybe they just want to buy us. <laughs> they could just buy us. We'd be for sale for the right price. <laughs> yes. So, um, oh, what else can we talk about? I've kind of done it really. Oh, there isn't anything else to say. <laughs> I've run out of topics. <laughs> just very poorly prepared. <laughs> Excuse me. So, um, uh, Nano Studio is now on the iPad. Oh, it's actually been late last night. It's actually come out right. Well, we're going to cover that, aren't we? Yeah, uh, we've we've got. We'll cover that on our, our show. On the that next. is superb, superb. The, yeah. I, I would like to say that our show is called Sonic Touch, and uh, it's available mm-hmm. um, occasionally <laughs> at occasional times <laughs> when we've can fit it in and do it. But uh, yes, do watch that. We'll have a look at Nano Studio the next time. So excellent. Um, anyway, guys, um, oh, I think we'll say goodbye because I'm, I'm my my. Um, my ability to to hang this all together is disintegrating by the second, so I'm very sorry <laughs> that I wasn't quite. I think I, I think it's quite. Uh, it's been a bad, a slightly bad network day, so I'm sorry. I do apologise for that, and thought it all been fixed, but I think it's all right now. I think maybe it's just uh, we have to kind of figure out how to make the numbers work when we're all remote because it does tend to uh, get a little bit out there. And oh, the other thing I want to say is uh, we got the story, Dave. You thanks for bringing that to my attention. That Underworld got the. Uh, uh, Olympics ceremony gig, didn't they? So, uh, does that mean you're going to be um, programming stuff for it, getting involved? Will you be have uh, VIP passes to all the events? Uh, I doubt whether I get that. I would imagine I may get a call twenty minutes before it's all due to start. Going, this needs sorting. Make your way to London now. <laughs> no, I don't. I have no idea. No, it was really good, and it, it was something that would kind of. Uh, in fact, it's weird because I was trying to get Carl on the show this week and he said about uh, he was doing a ton of press today and then this morning when that was announced, that was uh, confirmation of an awful lot of rumours. So, yeah, no, really good. Brilliant. I'm really chuffed for him. So, yeah, just to, that's uh, 
Underworld are musical directors for the opening ceremony of the Olympics 2012 in London, uh, together with Danny Boyle, who is the artistic director. So it should be a very interesting thing. And it's quite, it's quite interesting because the Olympics have actually become more showbiz since, I think it was, was it Spain who really kind of pushed the boat out and went all kind of our chaos and what have you? And then now the opening has become more, you know, less about sort of the national uh, thing and more about this kind of big showbiz Vegas kind of show, which, which I I think it's great. I mean, it's a real spectacle. It seems to have kind of upped the game a bit. So uh, we'll, we'll hopefully see some fun stuff there. Uh, not that I, I did try and get tickets, um, but I think all we got offered was something sort of outside the stadium for fourth round butterfly. You know, it just didn't get anything. So it wasn't worth it. We figured out it was going to cost us about a thousand quid to go and see some some qualifying round for a, a very obscure sporting event. So we decided it wasn't going to be uh, It's going to be horrendous, isn't it? Even, you know, by the time you get out there, sort your transport out eat you know buy some swag at the merchandising store god it's going to make premiership football look uh, like child's play yes it certainly will but anyway uh, so what i will do then is uh, I'll, I'll say the goodbyes now because uh, uh, now i certainly am rambling so i want to say thank you very much so we'll say mr gaz williams thanks for joining us uh, this week uh, songsurgeon.co.uk um, always a pleasure to see you. you and you look like you've got a blue microphone this week yeah this is my blue mouse ah eek eek with, with, with this rotating capsule. Excellent. It looks very nice, that, actually. I must try one at some point. Um, yes, anyway, thank you very much, Gaz, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. And uh, now I will switch to Mark Tinley, likebeing.com. Thank you very much for joining us, too. And your oh. hat. I hope the hat, when you said that your cat had peed on that hat uh, and it shrunk because it's been in the wash, I'm hoping you were about to add. It shrank because it's been in the wash. Yeah, it hasn't shrunk a lot of the <laughs> It still fits. I've got this idea, actually. Can I just run something by you? Because it's Why nearly not? Christmas. You could consider me to be a Christmas gnome. But then I thought, uh, at Toastmasters, we do this thing every year where we have a Christmas pantomime. Uh-huh. And then I thought, you could have a virtual Christmas pantomime with these chaps at Sonic State. And then we could all like kind of dress up as dames or things or something so we should choose a <laughs> pantomime and do like a virtual christmas panto and uh mm. do a little bit of uh good old british slapstick and rich is putting some strange wow that's an interesting <laughs> what do you think that's an interesting challenge um i have to give it some thought i'm not sure that i'm i'm ready for the stage oh, mrs no, worthington no, no, it isn't. Maybe what I should do <laughs> is I, you. I could prepare a few crowdsourced um, things like that. You know, I used to put tumbleweed in, and I can have. Oh no, it isn't. Oh yes, it is. No, you know, and maybe a couple of a couple of jokes. That's a possibility. I'll have a think about that. Yeah, we've got to get you know ridiculous wigs and and uh, and uh, what's that guy? What do you mean uh, wig? Dezo I don't need a wig. <laughs> makeup sure anyway but anyway mark thank you very much yeah. for joining us that's Run a very interesting thought indeed and also we'll say goodbye to uh dave no i've done dave spears haven't i no have i done yes i have no i haven't i will say goodbye to rich hilton because he's up there now rich hilton uh hiltonius.com <clears throat> Thank you very much for joining us this week, and uh, I'm sorry for the chaos. Uh, I, I couldn't get a switch. I couldn't get a switcher in this week, and I'm going to do it again next week. Now I've not. Now you see the thing is now I've actually had someone do some switching. I can't go back now. I feel completely sort of unable <laughs> to cope with the pressure. Uh... See what you've done to me. <laughs> Right, anyway, Rich, thank I you very much. I gladly take the blame. Thank you very much for joining us. And also to Dave Spears, uh, g4software.com. Uh, thank you very much for joining us also. And we will see you um, somewhere online somewhere soon. There you go. Oh, yes, and of course, don't forget Dave Spears' uh, excellent Mellotron packs, the Streetly tapes. If you've seen that the uh, the video that Dave shot of the, just the Mellotron stories, very fascinating. Really, really interesting stuff. So uh, do check it out. I think I posted a link on on the uh, on the site. We put up a news item. So Dave, if you say something, yeah. I can I can zoom in on you, but I can't until. Oh you do. yeah, okay. No, I, 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 I'm I'm ready to go now. Okay, Th- but thanks. Thank, thank you very much. <laughs> I don't want to do any more. Oh, Gaz is doing tricks. Look, he's doing yeah. kind of pantomime tricks. Are you? What were you yeah, doing? Yeah, I, I was doing I was doing tricks. I was going. Out of midair, I can grab a little little fireball like this, throw the fireball up, grab it, grab it. I can put it in my mouth. I can pull two out of my eyes. Woo! <laughs> Check it out. 
Fantastic. Okay, oh, how no, are you, you doing can't. that? Oh, no, you can't. I've seen those before. Those were selling them at Hamleys. Right, this is this is yes. on the way. Actually, I wanted to, to leave us with, because we talked about the idea of uh, classical arrangements, and I got an email from, uh, well, he's called DCS1771, which uh, was all the information he gave me. And he said, great show, by the way. I just wanted to include a classical piece for you that I arranged by Schubert. I think it applies to the end of your discussion of the live show last week. So I'm going to play us out with that. So uh, I'm hoping going to play the right button. It does say video four. So anyway, that was Sonic Talk number 246. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. And that's a wrap.